0: I can pretty much get devastated over one mistake. Anybody else like that? Like, basically just want to go lock myself in a closet. Um, Basically decide to uh, just quit the ministry because I blow it, you know. Blow what I think is really big and is really probably not that big a deal. Um, And it's not because of sin necessarily, but just maybe because of a a stupid mistake. Uh, Sometimes just getting really, really embarrassed Um, Anybody else like that? Ever feel like that? Nobody does. I'm the only one. See, this is another time. (laughs) Well, tonight we're kind of talking about this idea of dealing with with past sin or or past shortcomings. And uh, we're going to be looking in uh, John chapter 21 uh, at the Apostle Peter. And... um, little little background um, about Peter as we uh, as we get ready to dive in here is um, I'm going to kind of throw out a few questions but I'm kind of assuming uh, that you know some of Peter's story um, but just in case you don't uh, listen really closely um, Peter basically told Jesus that he was willing to die with him um, before Jesus's crucifixion he, he told Jesus he said Jesus I I love you so much. I'm so devoted to you um, that I will die with you. I will will do anything to protect you. Um, And then we kind of know later on, probably, really probably just a few hours later, um, after Peter just proclaims and boasts about his great loyalty to the Lord, Peter denies Jesus three times uh, while Jesus is on trial. Um, and as Jesus is getting ready to go to the cross. I think this is a really significant story, um, and I think it kind of helps us uh, later on as we uh, go into the Gospel of John. There's a story in the Gospel of John right at the end that appears in none of the other Gospels. Um, and it's it's a story where um, where basically Jesus appears to Peter and several of the other disciples uh, while they're out fishing. Um, and uh, And I think... Jesus and Peter kind of have this special conversation that is specifically directed at Peter's failure and Peter's guilt over his uh, sin of, of, of denying Jesus. Um, and so uh, uh, here we are. Uh, John 21, starting in verse 1, says this. After this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. Uh, that's the Sea of, of Galilee. Um, that, that we know of. It's just kind of, uh, John is using a different name um, there for it. Uh, it had several different names, just so you're, you're not thinking, hey, this is a different sea. They had a lot of seas in the gospel. It's really the same one, just the Sea of Galilee. He reveals himself again by the Sea of Tiberias, and he revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, And two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. They said to him, We will go with you. They went out and got into the boat. But that night they caught nothing. Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore. Yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, Children, do you have any fish? They answered him, No. He said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. So they cast it. And now they were not able to haul it in, because of the quantity of fish. The disciple whom Jesus loved therefore said to Peter, it is the Lord. When, Peter, when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work, and he threw himself into the sea. The other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, but about a hundred yards off. Lord, uh, as we look at this uh, little glimpse um, into the life of Peter and uh, into uh, the teachings of Jesus and the love of Jesus, uh, I pray that you would show us tonight how how we should really look at past sin, guilt maybe that is uh, paralyzing us in some ways, or um, wounds that we have from our past. I pray that you'd teach us from from Peter and and from the Lord Jesus how the gospel really should be applied to to those past sins and past hurts. Uh, that you'd give us uh, grace and understanding that we might be confident in the finished work of Christ, in the finished work of the cross. That we might be liberated. Um, Lord, uh, God, give us a, a confidence in you and in the gospel, in the power of the gospel to change us and to bring new life. Lord, we love you and uh, we just pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I think it's safe to say that in Peter's mind, and, and I think probably also in Jesus' mind, I think Peter had really blown it. Um, I don't think that's an over, overstatement there. I think Peter had sinned um, grievously against the Lord. um, And I think he knew it. I think he was well aware of it. Who was the disciple that was at the foot of the cross while Jesus was crucified? Well, the gospel accounts would, would lead us to believe that John was there. Was Peter anywhere to be found? No, he wasn't. And yet, hours before, he had, you know, said, "Lord, I'll be faithful to you. I won't. I won't let you down. I won't abandon you." How many of us would say, "Man, I, I, I can relate to Peter. I've blown it big time." You've wished you could relive a moment. Um, maybe you spoke a careless word out of, out of anger. And you cut somebody that you really loved deeply. Maybe you got caught up with a group of people in the wrong place and at the wrong time. Maybe your life came to a crossroad. And you can look back at that crossroad now. And you, you, you know that at that moment in time, you made a choice that maybe led you down weeks months of sin and rebellion against God and maybe even wasted years of your life at that crossroad because you made a choice. How many of us have been maybe hurt deeply, maybe not by maybe our own sin, but maybe even by somebody else's sin? Somebody else's choices wounded us deeply. And we look back and and maybe even hold some bitterness today Maybe some anger, maybe even some guilt. Maybe we feel responsible somewhat for somebody else's sin. And we carry this weight and this burden. I think probably most of us can at least think of, of something like that. Uh, I, I was thinking today, and as I was kind of even preparing for this sermon, I, I wrote down actually, I've got a list. <laughs> I don't know if some of you may have lists like I do of, of moments of guilt. Uh, Of moments where, where I know I sinned and my, my sins, um, affected other people, um, around me. Um, I'll spare, spare you some of the, the more, um, dark ones (laughs) because it might scare you. Um, but, but I can think back of, uh, in some early years of, of Michelle and I's marriage, um, when, um, we had made a, a financial decision that I, to this day, I regret it. I think, man, that was a really poor financial decision. Uh, we uh, were newly married. Uh, we had two cars that worked really well. No, no problems, no mechanical problems at all. And, uh, you know... For some reason, we kind of started talking about getting a new car, and, and, and I got really excited about it. And I decided, man, we need that. Yeah, that's what we need. We need a new car. Um, like I said, nothing was wrong with either of our vehicles. Um, and, but anyway, so I decide, we decided uh, that, that, hey, it's a good idea for us to get a new vehicle. So we started looking and shopping, and um, we traded in. Michelle had a nice Ford Explorer. It was a, a two-door Ford Explorer. We traded it in on a, a newer Ford Explorer that had four doors, had four-wheel drive, and was, you know, really, really nice. We thought it was really great. And uh, we got into debt, like big time, um, to get a vehicle that ran. We had a vehicle that ran, but we got a vehicle that ran better or something or looked cooler. Um, and and so, you know, the consequences of that deal? Years of debt, um, and we, we're finally, actually, we paid that off. Oh, it's been about a year or two ago. Uh, finally paid it off. That was kind of actually snowballed in with some college loans that I had. Um, and man, uh, but, but I, th- I look back on that, and that's a moment where, you know, and I know some of you say, well, that, you, you may call that a foolish financial decision, um, but I don't know if you call it sin. No, I think, it, I think you could call it sin. Because um, whose money is that, that that we spent on that deal? That's God's money. God, we, God had already given us a nice vehicle. We didn't need something else. That was silly. That was sin. One of my favorite movies, uh, some, a lot of you have seen this. This is going to be a blast from the past. Um, how many of you have seen the movie, uh, Back to the Future? It's got Michael J. Fox, uh, in it and uh, Dr. Emmett Brown, uh, well, that's not his name. His, Christopher Lloyd plays Dr. Emmett Brown. Uh, Michael J. Fox plays Marty, Marty McFly. Um, and uh, a big part of the movie is he, they have this time machine, right? They get in the time machine, and they can travel either to the future or to the past, and they can fix mistakes. Um, and, you, know, and, uh, you know, I think one of the, the funny things about that movie, or maybe even one of the things that kind of draws... Maybe all of us into a movie like that is the idea that hey, wouldn't it be cool if we could hop in a car and travel either to the future or to the past and fix. Fix our past mistakes. Uh, You know, I I wonder if Peter, you know, maybe would would think it would be cool if if he could, like, you know, jump in the time machine and go back before before the crucifixion and while Jesus is on trial and and catch himself, you know, and and catch Peter and and say, hey, you know, and he'd be looking at my twin, you know, are you my long-lost twin? And Peter could grab himself and say, hey... You're gonna deny Jesus three times. Don't do it. You know, don't do it. You know, and maybe maybe try to avoid uh, making that mistake. Um, I, I think all of us kind of think, man, wouldn't it be cool if I could go back and do that? There's a uh, this, not very long ago, uh, Coke Zero put out a commercial, um, and one of the things that Coke Zero is always talking about is, you know, hey, we've we've you know we've miraculously created this this. Cola that, takes, that tastes exactly like real Coke, but it has zero calories. And, you know, that's an amazing scientific feat. is, is kind of their whole thing. And, and so, then, so then he kind of says, scientists, I thought you said that you could create... Um, hey, turn your sports center off. Who's got that? That's my wife. Oh. Oh, just kidding. Hey, my phone went off this morning in a service, by the way, and it was really embarrassing. Um, we're talking about embarrassing moments. Um, and you know who was texting me? You may want to guess. No? Pastor Chris. Where's he at? Pastor Chris texted me in the middle of the service this morning. It was about ministry stuff, though. I just didn't have my ringer off. I didn't realize that I had it on. So, um, anyway. Wish I could relive that moment. <laughs> Turn it on, vibrate, right? So if you got your phone with you, you might go ahead and put it on silent real quick. Take a moment and do that. <laughs> so back to the Coke Zero commercial, okay? This is this is funny. Uh, so the Coke Zero commercial, you know, the guy's pointing at, we're looking at you, scientists. You know, you said, you know, we would have time travel by now. And, hey, we've created... Real Coke taste with zero calories, you know. And, and so, so then, like, the whole commercial is showing this guy who's got this time machine and, and like, he's getting ready to do something really stupid at a party or something. And he, like, tackles himself, you know, lays out himself and, you know, don't do it, you know. And um, Anyway, I think, I think there's all part in all of this. Man, wouldn't it be cool if I could travel back in time and relive that moment and not make the same mistake? The reality is there's no time machines, right? We all know that. So what can we do? What do we do with our wounds? What do we do with our past sins, our failures, our shortcomings? How do we deal with it? Well, one answer that I think our culture is really, really trying to push right now um, is the idea of minimizing our sin. When it, yeah, hey, it's not that big a deal. Your sin's not that bad. Or... Maybe saying, hey, it's a medical condition, right? Your sin problem really is is a medical problem. It's, there's something wrong with me. Somebody somebody hurt me or I have a chemical imbalance or that, that I have this addiction or and so what what I really need, I'm not a sinner. I'm just s I'm just sick, okay? I'm just I need medicine. Um and, and, and so you know I think that's a big thing sometimes that is getting pushed in our culture. Not always, okay? I understand there are certain times, and let me give a little disclaimer here. I think there are times where, where, where there are things that uh, are physically wrong um, and, and that do merit some kind of medical treatment. Um, but I also think it many times is that it's just an excuse. I mean, can we say that? I know that sounds real blunt and real bold, um, but sometimes I think it's people just making excuses, um, looking for something to blame their sin on, um, you know. We and we do this a lot of times, and, and I've said this I, when I go to apologize to somebody. Instead of saying, "Hey, I sinned," and I need to ask your forgiveness, I, I just say, "Hey, I made a mistake. <laughs> Oops, sorry about that. That was an accident." Um, No, it wasn't. It was a sin. (laughs) I sinned. Um, We try to minimize our sin a lot of times. Probably another thing that that people do um, with their sin, and I think this is probably maybe even a little bit more common um, than minimizing our sin, Um, I think a lot of times we try to bury our sin or hide from it. We know it's bad. We, we've got this guilty feeling in our gut and and we just kind of try to just forget it, you know, bury it, um, repress it almost like uh, and, and I was talking to a guy um, I was talking to a guy the other day and and he's gone through some really bad stuff i really, he's a He's just a, a guy that I've kind of been a, become an acquaintance with and and um, he's got two beers in his hand um and, and, and he's just trying to drown his sorrows with alcohol and, and, and he even said it to me he said he even told me he said, he said i "I know that, I know what i 'm trying to do uh, i'm trying to get away from this pain, even if it 's just for a little bit." He says, but the problem is is it always comes back when, when I sober up, there it is again um People drown their sorrows in alcohol. Some people, I think, drown, try to drown their sorrows or their sin, try to bury their sin in their work. Just get busy, 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 so you don't even have time to think about it. That's, that's the goal, you know? I'm, I'm so busy, I, I just don't even have time to think about my sin. Uh, I don't have time to think about my guilt in my past. But the reality is, is no matter how hard we try to do that, no matter how hard we try to bury it, hide from it, minimize it, the reality is that our sin is a big deal, <laughs> and we can't hide from it. We can't run from it. We can't medicate it. <laughs> Romans 6:23, this is a verse that's familiar to a lot of us. It says, "For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord." Ah, there's some hope there, right? But the wages of sin is what? It's death. Jesus says this about sin. uh, Matthew 18, verse 7. Woe to the world for temptations to sin, for it is necessary that temptations come. But woe to the one by whom the temptation comes. And if your hand or your foot causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to enter life crippled or lame than with two hands or two feet to be thrown into the eternal fire. And if your eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. It is better for you to enter life with one eye than with two eyes to be thrown into the hell of fire. Now there's a lot there that I could really unpack, but I'm going to save that for an Ask Pastor Jason time. Um, uh-huh. uh, But but I think the reality of those passages of Scripture, I think if we're just to kind of, what, what is Jesus trying to say? I think He's trying to say, sin is a big deal. It's a big deal. Sin is mega bad. <laughs> In fact, it seems far more likely, I, I think for us, it's far more likely that we might really miss the magnitude of our sin in the badness of our sin, then it is likely for us to just kind of almost overemphasize our sin. I think far more of us are guilty of of, of just kind of diminishing our sin, saying our sin's not that bad; it's not that big a deal. Revelations uh, six fifteen through seventeen. I, I think this is probably one of the scariest. Um, Verses of the Bible to me. um, Because I can just visualize this. Uh, This is talking about judgment day. When the Lamb, uh, when Jesus uh, returns. And it's no longer wrath is coming. It is wrath is here. It is time for justice to come down. Um, The hammer is going to fall. It says this in verse 15 of Revelation 6. Nobody in that day is going to be able to pretend and say, my sin's not that big of a deal. Sin isn't that big of a deal. What a horrific thing on that day to stand before Jesus, the glorious holy king of the universe, and to hear him say, Guilty. Guilty. So we can't pretend our sin's no big deal. Uh, that that's not the answer for how should we deal with our past guilt. How should we deal with our past sin? Another thing that that I think we see maybe in our culture and, and I think this is every bit as common is plagued with our guilt, we might also try to pay for our own sin. Uh, make atonement for our own sin. Um, there's a story called the Kite Runner. I read about this in in the book that I'm reading through with the students. Uh, we're reading through a book called Dug Down Deep by a pastor named Josh Harris. And he he's talking about justification and how Christ justifies us. And um, in, in this chapter, he talks about this story called the Kite Runner. And there's a man in it named Amir. And the story of Amir is that he would ultimately betray his best friend. And uh, his betrayal of this friend basically kind of leads to the unraveling of his friend's life, totally kind of just destroys his friend's life. Um, And all through this, his friend is pretty faithful to him, um, and and yet um, he's, he's not faithful to his friend. Well, the guilt eats Amir up. It just eats him up on the inside because he realizes, man, what I've done is wrong. I've betrayed my friend, and, and I can't undo it. I can't undo what I've done. Um, and so he lives his life. I mean, grows into a man, and and is just uh, uh, just trying to run from his past. He moves to. He even moves to America, thinking that, hey, if I move to America, you know, that's all going to be a country away, oceans away. I don't have to think about it anymore. Um, but even in America, the guilt continues to eat him up. Well, he gets a phone call one day from a friend back in his, his old country. And uh, this friend basically tells him, Hey, there's there's a way for you to be good again. Um, and that kind of ends the phone call kind of solemnly with that. And uh, so he travels back to his home country. And the purpose of back, going back to his 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 home country is that his best friend, who has now is now dead, um, has an orphaned son um, who is in slavery. And Amir basically risks his life, takes a brutal beating, um, and the result of it all is that ultimately he's able to adopt uh, his friend's orphaned son and uh, take him back with him to to America and and, and raise him. Um, I mean, a beautiful story, touching, very touching. Um, And kind of the end of the book ends with this. By showing kindness to the boy and adopting him, Amir finds a way to be good again. Um, And throughout the book, it it kind of even describes this brutal beating. And almost through this brutal beating, Amir begins to laugh. Um, Because he he really is believing that I'm, I'm atoning for my sin. All this guilt that I've had... I'm atoning for it. Touching story. Beautiful story. Uh, I think it really tugs at, at this idea of, you know what, can can I somehow undo my sin by being good enough? Can I atone for my own sin? And so here's, here's a question. Can any of us really pay for our own sins? What if... And, and i I could see and i've probably even I think i've probably even heard stories of people what what if a beating isn 't enough to soothe my guilty conscience then what what 's the next step then? How will I atone for my sins then and, and here 's the reality our, our problem as beautiful as that story is, our problem is much more serious even than having Wronged our best friend. It's much more serious than trying to set. Even if I could set all those things right, um, which the reality is, is we can't. Amir can't bring this boy's father back. And as much as he's doing a good thing and a noble thing by adopting him, he can't. He can't bring his dad back, can he? But even if we could set everything right. What would we do with the reality that we've offended a holy and righteous God? Because we've offended Him. We've rebelled against Him. Our crime is not just against humanity. Although our crime against humanity is great, is it not, uh, when we sin? But also our crime is against God. First uh, Samuel two twenty five says, "If someone sins against a man, God will mediate for him. But if someone sins against the Lord, who can intercede for for him? We won't pretend that we can sadistically atone for our own sins by suffering torture or torturing ourselves. Uh, man, we and we live in a culture where I think we see this even. You know, I know one thing that's really become even, kind of been brought into the spotlight." In years in recent years and, and I've known I've met, I've met some people that that were wrestling with this and I, I don't bring this up to, to make light of it at all because I, I think I think it's tied with this uh, but people that cut themselves um, you know one of the, one of the things that, that and even in youth culture you've got uh, young people that are, are just cutting themselves and and there's this pain inside them that they're trying to either atone for or trying to deal with and they don't know what to do with it and there's almost this, man, if I, if I can hurt myself, maybe I can make things right here. Maybe I can feel right for a little bit anyway. Um, the reality is, is that no matter how we hurt ourselves, no matter how we might even emotionally try to torment ourselves, maybe try to make ourselves just feel really bad about our sin, we can't atone for it. We can't. Back to Peter. Did, did Peter believe he was disqualified to be used by Jesus because of his denial and betrayal of the Lord? I think he did. I think that's kind of what Peter was going through. I think he's in this moment that we're kind of, we've been talking about, where he realizes, man, what I have done is mega bad, and I feel guilty. I feel unworthy. I feel unusable. I feel like a failure. And so in that moment, what's Peter do? Kind of goes back to what he knew, doesn't he? He's like, I I give up on all this stuff. Jesus probably can't use me anymore. I'm just going to go back to being plain old Simon, fisherman. Maybe he thinks he can run, kind of even from his past a little bit. He's running from that whole thing of betraying Jesus. I'm going to go back to fishing. And Jesus and, and Peter, I think, had this really special conversation. And I'm not going to read all through this just because we're short of time, but Jesus asked Peter three times I think that's significant, don't you? How many times did Peter deny Jesus? Three times. And, and so he asked Peter three times, Peter, do you love me? And what's, what's Jesus' I guess encouragement or admonition to Peter? Tend my sheep. Feed my sheep. Feed my lambs. And I think wrapped up in that is is this idea, Peter, you have a purpose. I've called you not to be a fisherman. You have a purpose. And it's wrapped up in the mission that I've called you to. It's wrapped up in the gospel. And after saying this, verse 19 says, Jesus says to him, follow me. Follow me. I think it's all wrapped up in the gospel and the atoning work of the cross. Now, now I know maybe that to some of you seems like that's a big assumption cuz he doesn't say anything about the cross in here. He doesn't say anything about forgiveness. But I think Peter understood that that's exactly what Jesus was talking about. And I say that in part because of Pastor Jason's sermons the last couple Sundays the book of Acts, right? Peter preaches a sermon seemingly over and over again. It's the same sermon. What sermon does Peter preach all through the book of Acts? We should know this by now. He says it every Sunday. Yes, some of you got it. Jesus is awesome and you killed him. You murdered him, right? Peter preaches that. And and what's Peter saying there? Guilty. Guilty. You blew it. Do you think Peter could relate to that? I think, I think, man, I think, I don't know. Maybe, and and I don't think I'm stretching this too far. Uh, You correct me and pull me aside gently and rebuke me as a younger pastor. Help me if you think I'm wrong here. Um, Peter knows, knows what it's like to blow it. And what's Peter? What's Peter's encouragement to these people who have blown it? Acts chapter 2, 37. And I love the, word, the wording here. Verse 37, Now when they heard this, the sermon, Jesus is awesome, you killed him. When they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? What shall we do with our guilt? What shall we do with our crime? We have blown it. And what's Peter's answer? It's the gospel. Peter said to them, Repent. Repent. And be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off. Everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. It's not over. There's hope. There's forgiveness. There's grace. There's the gospel. Yes, you blew it. But your hope... Is the gospel. Your hope is that Christ, when He died, it wasn't by accident. It was for us. It's for people who've blown it, who are sinners. Acts 3.17, same thing. He just preached the same sermon. Now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did also your rulers. But what God foretold by the mouth of all the prophets, thats that His Christ would suffer... He thus fulfilled, Repent, therefore, and turn again, that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that He may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus. What's the answer to our sin and our guilt? What is the answer to wounds that the sins of others have pierced us with? I think it all comes back to what Peter's talking about here. Embracing embracing the gospel. Believing. Believing that what Jesus did is the atonement for our sins, is the payment for our sins, is the thing that will make us good again, make us right again. I'm going to wrap up with this last Bible verse. 1 Peter chapter 2. This is a letter that Peter wrote later in his life. It says, verse 24, He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. For you were strained like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer, of your souls. I love that. By his wounds you are healed. You got guilt? Do <laughs> you got wounds that were given to you? Come to the healing power of the gospel. Embrace Christ. Embrace the finished work of the cross. Forgiveness. It doesn't deal lightly with sin. God dealt very severely with sin in the cross. A payment has been made. Blood has been shed. Sin has been conquered. And it doesn't end there. I love this part. Just like Jesus told Peter to follow Him. Verse 25 says, For you are strained like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseers of your souls. See, the gospel is about this relationship. It begins as we embrace the gospel, embrace Christ, and it just continues. He doesn't just kind of, oh, all right, you're forgiven. Here's a little medicine for you. Drink up. Now he walks with us through life. We, he's our shepherd. He walks with us. Embrace the gospel. Let's close in prayer. Jesus, we thank you for the finished work of of the cross. We thank you for uh, what you've done to make atonement, to pay for our sin. Lord, we thank you that you took sin very seriously. And that through... Through the cross and through embracing you, there is a way. There's a way for healing. There's a way for forgiveness. There's a way for us to really still have purpose in our lives to move forward. Second Corinthians five seventeen says. If any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, new things have come. The new has come. Lord, I pray that we would, we would embrace in the gospel the power to move forward, uh, the power to, to live life fresh and new, to trust, God, that you have new and awesome things for us and new and awesome things for others we thank you for what you've done for us thank you for what you're doing and we just pray this in Jesus name amen